Welcome, everyone, to the Nerd Journey Podcast, episode number 64. We're joining you every week to talk IT career progression and bring you the advice we wish we'd been given earlier on in our careers. I'm your host, John White, at VJourneyman on Twitter, joined by my co-host, Nick Cordy, at NetworkNerd underscore. Hey, Nick, how's it going? Hey, John, I'm doing great. We are both pre-sales technical engineers with backgrounds in IT operations. We hope our career discussions will be vendor neutral, relevant across disciplines, and remain timeless. If you're enjoying our content, please drop us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. And if you want to get in touch with us, tweet or DM at Nerd Journey. Ultimately, we're just two nerds on a journey. A journey to virtual enlightenment. So let's take a trip. All right. Great, Nick. Hey, um, we're back recording and releasing in 2020. Um, I know that I've had several people email me about how I'm supposed to write the uh, date in my checks. And every single time I've responded, yeah, four digit dates. That's uh, I've been saying that for 20 years. Also, do you still write checks, like physical checks? Every now and then. Yeah. For for church contributions, I do. Gotcha. We, gotcha. we don't have it. We haven't had a digital transformation in that aspect yet. Mm. Yeah, I'm. I'm definitely not in the uh, in the PayPal generation or whatever people are doing um, as far as payment, electronic, person to person. But um, I definitely hardly ever write checks. But um, let's actually get to the episode of what we we're going to talk about. Um, John needs to check himself. I think is what he's saying. Yeah, I need to check this line of discussion. Is what I need to do. Um, this week we're discussing managing career during times of upheaval. And we're talking to Mike Burkhart uh, for, shockingly, the next two episodes. Um, that's uh, par for the course for Nerd Journey uh, interviews, I guess. Um, I, I just, I want to say uh, his stories and exactly what it was that he was doing, like the approach that he settled on uh, was really unique. It was really eye-opening. Yeah, and... I think as you listen to this episode, you'll really see the mind of an architect at work. You know, he was truly able to think through getting to a new career as an architecture problem hmm. and, and build the solution that way. I, I really enjoyed hearing what he had to say. But without further ado, let's go to part one, Mike Burkhardt. Mike Burkhardt, thanks for joining us on The Nerd Journey. Awesome. Thanks for having me, John. And thanks to Nick again for inviting me. And I'm glad to be here and talk to you guys tonight. Awesome. Um, before we get into the meat of uh, what we're going to talk about, can you maybe give us a kind of a career overview, um, how you got to where you are, like kind of the important inflection points of the jobs that you've had? So yeah, I can absolutely give you a kind of an overview of uh, you know what I'm doing now and, and kind of how that came to be. So uh, recently, I have, as of the beginning of November, took a position as a curriculum developer or instructor-led courseware at Nutanix. And um, very, very interesting uh, kind of meandering path that I took to get there. So, you know, I'll, I'll try to keep this short. Uh, hopefully, it'll be sweet. Um, so with respect to, you know, my career, I started out with you know, troubleshooting, networking, doing DSL troubleshooting and help desk type of things. 
And that eventually led me more into a systems and networking type of background. I, I got lucky with the ability to be a software tester um, and very early on in my career. And that was because I knew Linux, I knew networking, I knew you know operating systems and cross-platform sort of functionality, a little bit of Java because of college. And uh, I was introduced to ESX 2.0 uh, at that time. So it was a really interesting you know, VMware story. I think that was 2002, maybe, um, maybe 2004. I'm trying to remember the exact time. But anyway, um, so it was introduced to virtualization pretty early on. And uh, one of the things I really want to impart upon any, anybody I talk to about my journey in IT is that I followed my passion. Um, and I know that's a very like cliche sort of adage, but I, I, I strongly mean that. Like I, I found out about virtualization and I was like, this is crazy. Like this is an absolutely really interesting type of technology. So I made a bet. That's all I really did was I said, I'm going to follow this because I think it's cool. And it you know, turned out that I, I got lucky. Um, I'm not going to say I'm some sort of sagacious wizard who knows that was going to work out, right? <laughs> so, um, but follow your passion, right? So, you know, I, I followed that and I uh, eventually became a consultant. And around the uh, vSphere 4.0 days, right, when we were transitioning into 64-bit and, um, you know, smaller footprint ESXi, I was a uh, consultant um, traveling the country to, uh, you know, such auspicious places as New Madrid, Missouri, and uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. And for those of you that live there, I probably have talked to you because there's not many more people. Um, sorry, Tulsa, I'm kidding. Been so, there lots of times. <laughs> I love Tulsa. <laughs> and I, I have, I mean, you know, I've, I went to a lot, you know, when you start traveling for a living, you get to places where you're like, oh, great, I'm a traveling consultant. And you don't realize that it's not always New York and LA and <laughs> Boston or, you know, Paris. Like I never went to Paris as a consultant. I went to New Madrid for six weeks straight and I ended up in Arkansas for six months. So consulting. <laughs> uh, but during that period of time, I was also at... Uh, the consulting firm was also a VMware authorized training partner. And they said, hey, you're good at this stuff. Um, do you want to be an instructor? I was like, well, what do you, yeah, I guess. What does that mean? You know, I'm, I, I'm good at knowledge transfers. I'm good at documentation and building this stuff. And you know, I'm a, a technical architect, sure. But what does being an instructor mean? I'm like, well, you need to teach classes. Do you want to? Do you want to teach? Yeah, okay, let's give it a shot. You know, that was 2010-ish. Um, and, or no, 2012. Anyway, it doesn't matter. It's one of those years. Um, what's important is, you know, I was asked, and it was one of those, like, if given an opportunity, another one of those, like, real good nuggets of information for me is, if given an opportunity, take the opportunity. You know, um, if it's something that you can imagine yourself being passionate about, something that you can imagine doing. Uh, and I'm an extrovert. I am a stage musician. I've always been kind of the, hey, let's let's get a bunch of people together and and have parties and talk about stuff, and we'll we'll all elevate our knowledge and have fun. You know, and um, another one of those things that about me, uh, you know, fairly cheesy, but I really strongly believe that we are all here for the purpose of love, 
however you conceive that. And to love somebody is to share your experiences, to impart your knowledge and for them to impart knowledge upon you. And we're all experts in our own right, right? It just, just depends on what we're talking about, but everyone has a story to tell and everyone has information to, to impart upon others. And we grow as people and we have these beautiful connections and these amazing moments together that really start around the idea that we're going to get together and connect. And that's what I think education is, is the pursuit of that connection to grow as, as adults or as people in general. Um, and adults learn in a different way than children. We don't, you know, kids learn through play. They learn through, you know, what we do is talk at them. Um, instructional adults, we talk back and forth, right? We learn from each other. We want to know who's the networking expert. Okay. Tell me what the heck happened with this thing. I don't, I don't really know networking that well. Uh, storage guy, wh what are your comments on this? So that pursuing the, the VMware instructor role really opened up my mind to a, a totally different energy, a totally different passion in my life that I didn't, I would have never guessed, right? I, would, I wouldn't have known that about myself. So, and, and to further that point, ever since I became a VMware instructor, I always focused on being a SME for certifications, working with improving courseware, um, doing side gigs as uh, you know, courseware uh, upgrade kind of thing, or working with labs and that kind of stuff. Um, and it just, it got to be so fun, right? But it was always kind of a side gig the whole time I was really being a, a technical or domain architect or eventually a solution architect. Um, and those I thought were a natural extension of my technical and, and people skills. Um, but all the while I had this really interesting background as, you know, the, the keep it simple, keep it easy, you know, teach to your class and enable and so that's kind of how I ended up, I, you know, given the opportunity uh, after my most recent experience uh, as an architect, I talked to one of the subject matter experts. Uh, uh, he used to work at VMware, who now works at Nutanix, is now my boss. And, okay, uh, I was, I was, was going to make you define SME. Uh, I was just waiting. And I was oh, like, the oh. Uh, the the moment has passed. And then you, you said subject matter expert. That's good. <laughs> I, I don't have to rationalize my TLAs. Um, but that's three letter acronym for these. <laughs> Sounds like we have to, some EAS, excessive acronym syndrome. Oh, no. <laughs> I, I think you missed an SLA there, Mike. Oh, I. By the way, I love you too. I know it's hard to say that to another grown man, but I, I know you were speaking to me directly. I was trying to be so subtle about that. <laughs> Sorry, I interrupted you. You said you were. Um, you work for a former VMware architect who's now your boss at Nutanix. Uh, so he was a uh, certification developer and manager. Some, I, f I forget exactly, but uh, I had worked with uh, this gentleman previously on a couple of certifications and I was one of the subject matter experts and he was kind of wrangling the, the cert as a body of knowledge. And, uh, you know, a buddy of mine from the the VCDX, the the VMware Architect certification circles, had kind of said, "Hey, like, you know, they're hiring over here. If you want to talk to this guy, I don't know if that's your thing or not." I was like, "You know, 
let, let's find out again. It was another one of those situations where I was like, I'm willing to explore this. And the more that I did, the more I was like, yeah, I, I kind of am passionate about education too. This is, a, a, you know, it's kind of a journey that, you know, again, you have to be a bit of an expert and you have to know what you're talking about, which I'm not, but I fake it really well. And you have to be a person that understands how to, you know, how, how to impart knowledge upon a classroom. Right. So, you know, knowing that not everybody in the room is going to have the same experience starting at a baseline of, well, we expect the room to have X amount, but you know, we'll, we'll pander to a little bit lower, a little bit above depending. Uh, and then really understanding how to build that audience together. Um, you know, what points to use, how to convey it visually, et cetera, et cetera. So, and I've been a, an avid public speaker for a while. I've, I've been a VMUG leader for the past four years, I believe, um, maybe five now, uh, not anymore. Uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, really it, it's kind of a natural extension of all of those skills of, you know, content creation, public speaking, uh, education, instruction, subject matter expert uh, expertise. Um, so yeah, it's it's been a great ride. It's been a really interesting uh, path to get here. It's interesting. I think that you've kind of hit upon something, which is a lot of the skills that we use to gain a position that, um, you know, like they're transferable to other roles, right? So what you're talking about is, you know, speaking in public, um, getting a group of people together and excited about learning a new topic. Uh, just the, the idea of, um, you know, like all of those things coming together, that could describe a tech marketing role. It could describe like a business architecture role and it could describe an instructional role. So, um, you know, if there are things that you like doing about those things, there probably are more than, there's more than one role that like can scratch those itches in, in, in various uh, configurations and, and ratios. So um, I, that, that's a really, really excellent uh, lesson to learn. I was going to ask, Mike, did the person who recommended talking to someone about the curriculum development position, did they know you had a background in instruction and know you had a little bit of a passion there? Or was it just kind of a, hey, man, here's an opening if you want? So that's a great question. And the the gentleman that referred me um, was, you know, we also share uh, background in instruction. So we're both VMware instructors. Um, and he had also known my boss from the same circles and, you know, we were VCDX candidates all together. Um, and it was funny because there were three of us, I believe in the same, uh, kind of study group that were all VMware instructors as well as going for our VCDX. So, um, so he had known that that had been a part of my background and was like, Hey, you know, he's been asking, you know, this, this guy's been asking around for a candidate that has this type of experience. I don't know if you're interested or not. Cause he had, you know, uh, he had thought that I was continuing on into architecture when I was entertaining in those roles. But, um, I mean, really part of my decision-making process is, and here's another interesting way to put it. I, I wasn't looking for an employer. I wasn't looking for uh, a job role. I was looking for how do I want my life to look how do I want my life to operate for me? And what skills do I want to flex? What things do I want to learn? And then what things can I leave behind that I don't like? So um, part of part of my decision-making process was being in, I was in pre-sales. 
uh, as a solution architect. I was traveling a lot. It was a lot of day trips, a lot of overnights. Um, and to that effect, uh, you know, it was a really rough time to have a child on the road and, you know, I got a three-year-old and another one coming. So I was like, how, how do I want this transition to work? You know, and how is this going to work for me? If I stay in architecture, I'm going to have to fly everywhere and drive everywhere. And so, um, so that's, that's part of my, part of my process too. So I was grateful to have that nod from the, the fellow VMware instructor that was like, yeah, you should get back into education. You don't have to travel. Like, cool. Yeah. That's a, that's another really interesting uh, point to take. It's like architecting your life, not just your career, right? Sometimes uh, one of those things is more important than the other. And uh, yeah, just figuring that stuff out. I it's, it's funny that you mentioned that because I literally did a current state, future state on my life. I kid you not. I, and that's, that's an architecture basic kind of thing where you look at where are we today? Where do you want to get to? What's your vision? And then how do we build that path? And for me, I was like, I don't want to travel... I do want to create content. I do want to public speak. I kind of really enjoy being in front of crowds and okay. What's and like you said before, tech marketing could do that. Business architecture could do that. Um, but the courseware development turned out to be, Hey, work from home, make your content, be a SME subject matter expert, and also stay at home with your kids. Like that's awesome. But so, it, it didn't really dawn on me until I was offered that the chance, you know, you're, you're, uh, discovering that you had a, a constraint that you didn't have before. <laughs> I would never talk about my children, like their constraints, their kind of requirements and also assumptions. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> and that risk is mitigated by me dadding. Well, um, <laughs> Speaking of mitigating risk, Mike, all of this analysis, the current versus future state was something that you had to do because of certain events that happened with your employer at the time, right? Mm -hmm. So it's interesting that this is the, the second time in my career uh, that the, the term is uh, being made redundant in the field. Uh, it is not an unkind term, but it is a very confusing one. So here's what goes through your head when you hear your position is being made redundant. Uh, you, you first think, I don't know what that means. Can you explain it? Because you really don't usually hear those words often. And if you have, I'm sorry. Um, but when you hear that, you say, okay, so what, what, what job am I going to do next? And then somebody says, well, it's up to you. You say, okay, I, I would like to do this job. And they're like, great, you have to apply for it. And you say, oh, so that's what that means. <laughs> and it, it is a very uncomfortable, uh, it's an uncomfortable conversation for everyone, right? Um, because again, and, and having an experience as an architect, right? You understand the business side of things. And when a business says, okay, we have to scale up, we have to scale down, um, you know, these organizational structures need to change and shift because the business is headed in this direction. Um, that's all well and good until you realize that those real changes have ramifications even in your life, right? So that's another thing that I've learned is that, you know, 
for the architects out there who are business architects or process or organizational architects, be wary that the changes that you help make in a company may result in shifts that are undesirable for some outcomes, such as mine. Uh, <laughs> but again, ser- serendipitous, right? I, I ended up in a, a very natural and very supportive role for me um, at this time in my life, right? Will I be an instructor forever? Maybe, you know, but for right now, especially building my family, I want to be off the road. I want to be, you know, a SME who works with the products and still has the chance to get in front of a crowd, but I don't have to be in a plane every day, you know? So, so anyway, so this is the second time in my career that this has happened. The first time I was working for a very large, uh, aircraft manufacturer and I was one of three VMware engineers in the country and we managed a couple hundred data centers, something ridiculous. And, um, you know, they, they had decided to outsource and then they decided to in-house and it was this back and forth expansion and contraction that helped my position, uh, become unavailable at that point. And so at that time, uh, that was before I was a contractor, right? So at that time I had lost my job for four months and I was single which is good. I didn't really have a whole lot of, uh, you know, constraints betting against or for, it was more, you know, okay, it's just you, uh, figured out. And that looked a lot like going back to my parents and doing laundry at, you know, 24 years old. (laughs) So, um, but you know, in, in all seriousness, um, it was that point in time in my life where I realized that you need to lean on your network Uh, And I did again this time um, and with phenomenal results, you know, then um, I leaned on my network pretty hard and heavy. I was living in Cincinnati and Louisville, Kentucky is about 80 miles South. Um, And I had through leaning on my network for four months, (laughs) I eventually had found a position uh, as a consulting engineer and architect at uh, a company down in Louisville. So that was the, the VMware training partner. Um, but that was a long four months. That was a long time. And I hadn't built my network very well, right? I was just focused on, oh, I'm, I'm doing the thing, right? If you do the thing, you should be fine because your skills are in demand because you're doing the thing. Uh, that's not always true. There are a lot of people that do the thing out there. <laughs> so you, you might want to know some people who need the thing done for them, <laughs> And then you can provide that role. And, and this time around, you know, I, I, had, I had plenty of job offers. I did not lack for, uh, you know, dance cards to punch. Uh, what I did, that's a real old saying too. My gosh, I can't believe it. I'm going to the ice cream social later. But um, I, I had a lot of interest, let's say. But uh, the first time around when the position was made redundant, it was... A, a very harrowing experience. And this time around, I, I experienced some of the similar emotions and thoughts and feelings about it. And you, you go through your stages of grief because you're losing something, right? You're, you're literally, you know, you, you thought you're doing good. And in my case, I was, I was you know, given a raise and all sorts of accolades and then, you know, bye-bye. So that's real weird, <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, so, you know, build your network, you know, provide knowledge, provide uh, value to other people. And value can be whatever. It can be help. It can be 
um, you know, providing job opportunities to other people. You know, when you see something, say something kind of deal, but in a positive light, right? Um, so just, you know, help other people out and spread the love, man. And it, it comes back to you in this way. It came back to me in spades. So the thing that really helped in this situation was, um, having, uh, built that network over the time since the last time you had, a, a an interruption in service. Mm-hmm. Nice. Are, are there things that you tried that didn't work? Oh, sure. That's <laughs> there. There are very, very many things that I've tried that did not work. Um, and again, this is, this is me pulling back the curtain. Of course. I mean, anyone who's been in this situation, uh, you, you at sometimes you can scramble, right? At, at low points, it can feel like you're just, you know, oh my gosh, it's the worst thing. Um, so things that I've tried, uh, I tried blind, uh, you know, blindly applying to jobs, which go fish, right? Um, I, I read a statistic recently and, you know, statistics being what they are on the internet. Um, it said something like 80% of jobs are hired from people knowing other people, you know, so someone who knows of somebody who, you know, is, you know, less than this, you know, seven degrees of Kevin Bacon or whatever, um, that, you know, Oh, I know a guy which happened in my case. Right. So my, my buddy knew the guy that I also knew that I didn't know he was hiring until he told me, Hey, that guy's hiring. So, um, again, building network, and knowing what's out there is a great idea. Applying for jobs in the blind works, but it, it works in the cases where people aren't as, as competitive for positions, or maybe you're going to take a role for less pay. You know, maybe you're going to uh, do a position that's not something exactly suited to your needs or not exactly your skill set, but it's a something, right? Um, so, yeah, when you when you end up, I mean, I like I said, applying for jobs blind. I asked friends and family. Um, I, gosh, what else did I do? Uh, I looked at contract gigs. I looked at just going straight ten ninety nine and you know being a DIY consultant. Um, that life is tough. I have a lot of friends that have gone that route, and uh, they're better for it. They're amazing people, and they also work really hard at it. Um, so I guess what I'm saying is I didn't want to work really hard. Um, no, that's not true. <laughs> it's, okay, but, it's okay to not want to work really hard in a specific way. Right. So, yeah. you know, sometimes we, you know, that, that role that you're describing of an independent contractor, you have to also like, not just be the subject matter expert at what you're doing, but you have to basically be a business manager and an agent for yourself at the same time. That's not everybody wants to do that. Right. Um, mm-hmm. or you have like some skill that's like so in demand that you almost don't need to do that stuff. You know, the people who need that come will come find you. But I mean, that those gigs are few and far between, right? It's it's more luck that you happen to have those qualifications and know the people, and you know, just don't have to do much to get your name out there. Everybody else, you have to be your own agent and be your own business manager and a whole bunch of other stuff. So yeah, totally not necessarily wanting to do that. Yeah. And it's, it, it is true. You know, it's a either, e- either feast or famine and that kind of light. There's a lot of people who do consulting gigs like that, that, you know, they build their brand on it and that's great. And it, it and again, I am not a small business owner. Um, not to say that I wouldn't want to be in the future, but I don't know anything about that. And this is a, a very risky time in my life to try to take that 
transition, right? So, you know, having a mortgage, having a child, having a wife and, and another child on the way and a, a beautiful four-year-old Australian shepherd who is the love of my life and everyone else I talked about too. But um, <laughs> I really hope my wife doesn't listen to this podcast. Uh, we'll make but, sure she gets a copy of the raw before it goes live. Oh my Lord. <laughs> love you, honey. Um, so, but with respect to, um, you know, with the things that I, I sent out a tweet that said, help, please. Uh, I'm being made, my position's being made redundant. I need help. And I'm looking at tech marketing, solution architecture. And uh, even at the time I was examining pivoting into being a penetration tester, which security has always been kind of a hobby of mine. Um, you know, dabbling into, oh, what's out there? What's, what does this do? You know, and, and how can I break it? But the, the thing that I learned about that, so it's really, it was a really interesting experiment. It worked in several different ways. If you ask for help and you ask for help in the blind guard, right? So you just send it out there. People will respond, but you have to be very specific as to how you want help. Because I will tell you the ways that people offered help. I was offered help in the way of selling my lab gear to a company because they said, oh, well, while you're searching for a job, you can sell us your lab equipment. Give us an inventory and we'll tell you how much we will pay you for it. And I was like, <laughs> um, my lab gear is really old <laughs> and that's not really what I'm asking for at all. But thank you for your response. Uh, let me know if you know anyone else who might hire a person with my skill set. <laughs> Here's the link to my resume. Um, I asked for, you know, for, for tech ma or, or even product management. I'm interested in product management as well. I uh, had many people reach out to me and ask me what I thought about their products. And I'm like, okay. Are, are you going to hire me to manage those or what's going on here? And mostly it was people asking me to work for free for them to help them develop the, you know, and I'm like, I've never managed products before. This is actually, I, I'm looking for a ramp up into this realm and okay. So nope, can't help you there. Sorry, but let anybody know a person with my skill set is available to hire, please. And thank you. Here's my resume. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I was given a link to, uh, USA gov jobs, which is, or I'm trying to remember the site name now, but it's a government job website. Great for, uh, military current and X, uh, to, to, you know, purview jobs that are publicly available. There's a lot of security jobs out there, which is great, but not for a 20 year veteran of infrastructure. Um, there's a lot of really good entry level positions out there. So those of you that are building your career and just starting out, you know, go to, uh, it's usajobs.gov, I think, um, Google it, it'll be there. Um, and on that website, there's a plethora of positions open that if you want to work in the public sector and, uh, you know, want to work for the, go, go for it. Great. Um, but that is not at all really what I asked for. <laughs> it was a very strange response. Um, so yeah, so, you know, I, I had, and there's so much goodwill there's So it's such a beautiful thing because I had, you know, over 400 retweets of this message. I had 
something like a hundred thousand interactions or something. Like I was looking at the metrics of this thinking like, good God, this is insane. Uh, I'm, I'm just a guy who needs a job. Like who cares? And people care. Like that's, that's the beautiful people care about you and people that you don't even know. I had a guy reach out to me from New Zealand and he was like, you want to be a penetration tester? Great. Let's figure that out. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and I, I asked my wife, I was like, do you, would you move to New Zealand? Cause, and I'm, I'm looking for like an easy qualifier out. Right. I'm looking to just be like, well, I can just turn this down. Cause whatever. And she's like, New Zealand sounds great. What's up with the job there? And I'm like, Oh no, <laughs> I'm going to have to explore this now. <laughs> and it was scary as all like all get out. Right. It was as scary as all crazy. But, um, you know, unfortunately or fortunately, but either way, uh, that, that ended up kind of washing out. So, uh, but the gentleman and I are still, you know, decent online contact friends. And it was, it was really nice for someone to just say like, look, you know, I, I moved here, I moved to New Zealand from Sweden three years ago, this company really needed help in this way, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, if I can do it, you can do it too. And I was like, this is insane. Like, this is like the crazy unicorn story where just people, you know, but like I said, you have to be specific about what you're asking because otherwise you will get weird things like, you know, some of your lab equipment, or <laughs> you know, why don't you just go drive for Uber? And I'm like, that is not what I asked for at all. <laughs> but, but when I got a lot of responses back of what I did ask for, it was just, it was amazing. And it really, you know, again, going back to that whole, it's who you know and who you know knows you kind of thing. Um, a lot of people call it building your brand. Um, I realize that I'm, I'm kind of lazy and or bad at building my own brand. I'm, my brand is me. Like I, and everyone's like, oh yeah, of course, that's, that's how that works. I'm like, no, I'm just, I'm Mike Burkhart. I don't have a brand. I have, you know, me. So, um, so I, mean, the beard. I had the beard. It's, uh, I, I'm That's, embarrassed to even say that I shaved it off yesterday. Yeah. Everybody has a brand. <laughs> I think they don't. Beard. I know, I know, but that's that's the terrible thing. I I don't curate. So I guess the point there is, don't be a dummy like me and and curate your own brand. Um, yeah, you should have had pictures of yourself doing stuff without the beard, because now without the beard, I'm like, I don't know, I don't know if we should hire that guy. I don't know that he's trustworthy. He's lost the trustworthy beard. <laughs> I don't blame you. My my son said to me, "Dad, your ears look like you, but your face doesn't." And I was like, "What does that mean?" And toddlers can be very brutal. Oof. I will tell you that they they are very honest, and sometimes you do not want that honesty in your life. <laughs> Did your toddler also give you critiques on your resume, or was it just on your appearance? He absolutely did, but I don't think the crayon marks were very helpful. <laughs> on on that route, Mike, you know, the first time you were made redundant, uh, did you decide to update your resume every so often so that in case that happened again, you would be ready? Or was it kind of a, oh, I just found out, better update the resume now? I know it's something that a lot of us don't do regularly. So that's a really good question. I'm going to flip it on its side in a second. But um with respect to my resume, no, I, I 
don't keep an updated resume. If you want to know what I do, look at LinkedIn most of the time. And if people contact me about opportunities like that, I'm just like, go here. This is what everyone does. It's easy. But to that point, I found that, you know, I, part of what I did. And so John, back to your question earlier, what did I do? Um, part of what I did is I hired a professional resume writer and I was like, okay, let's, if I want to get a specific job, I should have someone look at my resume and give me feedback. Um, and it was, it was very worth it. It was, it, I forget how much it costs, but it wasn't like a thousand dollars or anything. It was, you know, uh, fairly reasonable. And what came back was a very interesting, uh, an interesting aspect on what I have done in my career that I was like, I don't know that I do those things. And then as I read them, I'm like, yeah, that sounds way better than what I said. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's great at what he does. No wonder he charges money for it. Uh, so, um, but here's the other problem. My resume was very business focused because I was looking at being a product manager or some type of business level, you know, business architecture, et cetera. When I applied to technical jobs with a business level resume, everyone looked at me and they're like, what are you going to do here? And it was such a weird response where I'm like, no, I like, I'm a super tech nerdy guy. Are you kidding me? Like I've got the whirly gig hat and everything. And every last time people are like, well, okay. You know, and I got a couple of people turned me down because they're like, you just, you look like a business guy. We need to tech, you know? So to, to that point on your question about my resume, uh, do I update it regularly? No, I probably something I should do. Thanks for the heads up. Um, but when you are applying for jobs, even with people that you know, even with the, you know, the, the guy that knows me that knows that, you know, or the, the gal, et cetera, you need to have a resume that speaks to your strengths that will be attractive to that person or those people that will look at your resume. And it's such a simple thing. And I've, I've, I've had this advice before, but I also completely forgot it. And it's, 20 years into your career, this is pretty late to forget that information, right? Like you should not forget what your resume looks like and, and, and to, to tailor those talking points to your strengths, to the positions for which you're applying. So, um, you know, heads up, right? Look at your resume and, and think critically about it as, you know, what if I'm hiring me? What does that look like? Am I a strong candidate or where are my blind spots? And if they are blind spots, indeed, speak to them. But if they're not, then put them on your resume. <laughs> well, I think um, one of the problems is, is like, people say, what if I am hiring me? Of course, of course, I would hire me because, you know, I have all this potential and I'm good at these things. But I think that the main problem is, is people say, what if I'm hiring? What people don't do is they say, they don't say, what if I'm hiring for this position? Mm -hmm. Right? And then look at the resume without any knowledge of themselves. That's very difficult to do, right? Um, so, you know, going to some third party and saying, here's a job description, and then here's the resume without my name on it, you know, um, even that's difficult to do, right? Because how how do you go to somebody, if you know, without them looking at this and going, well, obviously this is your resume, and mm -hmm. I think you'd be great for this job. Yeah, yeah, but what is the resume good for applying for the job? Right. And that's a totally different thing. Um, Absolutely. And so I, 
a lot of people have heard the, yes, you should customize your resume to make sure that you're writing the resume for the job that you're applying for. Um, and the way that we really remember it is when we apply for a job that we think is kind of a gimme and they turn you down because of the resume. Like that's what really anchors it. Right. <laughs> and it's, it's surprising. Cause you're like, why, why didn't I get a call? And you're like, well, read, read your resume again. <laughs> did you forget no. your phone number? Cause that's another thing. Like I didn't do that, <laughs> but I had a friend who did that. And I'm like, are you kidding me right now? Like you do not have contact information. And they're like, Oh, it's, it's fine. I'm going to email this. I'm like, you put your contact information on your resume. That's what you do. <laughs> Somebody's going to read this who didn't, who wasn't the person that you emailed it to, right? Who wasn't the person who called you? Well, they called me. They must have my phone number. Yeah, but, you know, it's going to get passed around. It's going to get put in an applicant tracking system. And if you don't have your contact info on there, then the chance that they don't call, contact you is pretty high. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it might not even make it into the system, right? Because it doesn't have the qualifying, uh, qualifying information on it. So. Yeah. Or it ends up on the top of a stack of things that are exactly the same as your resume that you're like, oh, nobody got a call back because it was the one person who had the interesting resume, who had the contact information, who had, you know, so be that person, right? Yeah. Here's the three, three resumes that were within 5% of each other. Um, but it's very easy for me to get in touch with these two people. And this one person didn't have their contact information on. It's just easier for me to throw that away than follow up. Because I don't mm -hmm. know how I'd follow up. Right. Because I don't want to work that hard. <laughs> Is that another dig? Is that, I feel like that's a, a dig. No, I was just trying to make it relatable, Mike. Oh, it does, it does make sense, though. I, I appreciate you putting that in terms I can understand. <laughs> not talking down to anyone, but... Yeah. <laughs> I really wasn't saying that. I'm so sorry. Oh, my gosh. This like went off the rails real quick. <laughs> I yes, went. it was a dig, Mike. It was a dig. <laughs> oh, well, that, that also makes sense to me. <laughs> yeah, we should just stop recording so I can make coffee right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. I got some Windows updates going on again. And I totally <laughs> forgot that we were doing this at this time. So how about that? There you go. <laughs> it's a trifecta. Nick, I, I know we listened to this again in uh, preparation for doing the intros and outros, but uh, it just, every time I hear it, it's, it just uh, makes me laugh how much we laughed <laughs> talking to Mike. It was, uh, it was a lot of fun having that discussion. Yeah, we we all persevered through my Wi-Fi at the, at the house just coming to a crashing halt and me grabbing patched cables and rewiring things so that I could sit in my living room and record with you and Mike. <laughs> yeah it was totally worth it too totally absolutely it. lots of coffee that time oh man yeah hey i i really liked what mike said early on i think he talked about wanting to look at how he wanted his life to operate as opposed to talking about how he wanted his career and job to operate and i thought that was just pretty inspiring and, and eye-opening to hear somebody talk about 
you know, here's how I want my life to work. And I'm going to engineer and design everything else around that, as opposed to talking about all the, the range of possibilities and compromises they're willing to make, you know, for career, for life and, and those interactions instead of like a, like I said, like a, like an engineered um, version of that. Pretty cool. Sure. And I mean, yes, there are trade-offs here and there, but I think it, it speaks to the fact that when you have enough time to, to really think about it and do some due diligence, we have a lot more choice as to where we work and what we do than we tend to realize even after doing a bunch of research. And, you know, Mike speaking to that really brings that point home. Yeah, definitely. And I think I really liked some of his um, post-game analysis too, right? Like uh, kind of the, when I was interviewing, when I was writing my resume, this is what worked and this is what got results and this is what didn't work and this is what didn't get results. And um, sometimes, you know, I think our kind of message here is to to be ready with that resume and know all those things, you know, ahead of time and have some ideas about that, you know, customizing for a technical role as opposed to a non-technical role, all that kind of stuff. Um, but, you know, I think what Mike was trying to do was to say, hey, this is kind of what I went through, you know, learn from what I did um, and be ready, right? Because we just don't know what a people's coming uh, in the future. Yeah. And if you're somebody out there who blogs, I, I love it when people share what didn't work and what finally did work. It's the same kind of thinking here because I think it helps you, the person who had the experience, learn it much more deeply. And it's interesting to to the person listening or reading as to how the other person who went through this, how their mind works. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's a really good point. All right. Um, anything else before we get out of here? Nope. Just a reminder, we want people to subscribe and give us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. We want to know if you're being if we're being helpful and are always looking for interesting questions to ponder. We're collectively on Twitter at Nerd Journey. All right. Farewell, listeners, and tune in next time as the journey continues. I'm John White at B Journeyman and Nick Cordy at Network Nerd underscore signing off. Adios. Before we get into the meat of uh, what we're going to talk about, can you maybe give us a kind of a career overview, um, how you got to where you are, like kind of the important inflection points of the jobs that you've had? No. <laughs> no podcaster ever expects that answer. Uh, <laughs> Way to be harsh, Mike, just because right? you broke my internet connection earlier. <laughs> Started starting off with the real tough questions and the tough <laughs> answers, Mike Burkhart. Um, so... Maybe we'll blank that out. Nah. No. Cool. <laughs> so, Editor says stay. <laughs>